Well, as the opening video mentions, today we're going to be talking about something very important, especially important in this season of our life. Today we are going to be thinking about and talking about what do I do in the meantime? How do I wait? What do I do while I'm waiting for the church building to open back up? What do I do while I'm waiting to be able to go back to work or, or be back at my job? There's, there's just a lot of waiting that we've been walking through lately, and I want you to understand something this morning. The Word of God talks about how we are to wait, and so I want to invite you to open in your Bibles to the book of James chapter 1 while we wrestle with and seek to understand how it is that we are supposed to be waiting for the next thing that God has for us in the life of our own personal walk with Christ, the life of our corporate identity in Christ here at the fellowship and as a town, as a county, as a state, as a country, and as a world, as we wait for what's next, what should we be doing in the meantime? I want to answer that question this morning. James chapter 1, and while people turn their Bibles there, if you're a guest today here uh, worshiping with us for the first time, even if it's online, we welcome you. We're glad that you're here. We pray that you feel welcomed and loved at the fellowship. We're so glad that you're with us today, and it is our prayer, it's our hope that when we're able to have what we consider normal or regular services, that you will come and join us in person. We don't know when that might be, but we hope that you'll make a commitment even this morning to come and be a part of the church life uh, when we're able to have that again. James chapter 1 Verses 2 through 4 will be the scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning as we answer the question, what should I be doing? Or how should I be waiting? Let's look at God's word together. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lord, as we think about your word this morning, as we, as we yield to it, as we submit to it, I just pray that you'll do this fantastic work in our life because we all, in some level, to some extent, we're, we're thinking about this question what do I do right now? How do I wait? How do I make the best use of my time? Lord, that's our question. That's what's on our heart. That's what's on our mind. So help us to make sense of it this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, brother, sister, my friend, listen, it's my joy, it's my privilege this morning to share with you three things that we need to be doing right now. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this experience in your life where you're, where you're sitting somewhere, you're in a specific room, or you're doing a specific thing, and all of a sudden, you're just overwhelmed with this sense, with this feeling, with this emotion that you should be doing something, and you're thinking to yourself, what have I forgotten? Have I forgotten to go somewhere? Have I forgotten to call someone? Have I forgotten? to return some communication. Have you ever been in that spot where you just get this overwhelming sense that there's something that you should be doing? Well, recently I had that experience. I was uh, doing devotions.
Philippians and I was reading through one of the books of the Bible and I was just thinking to myself that just like you, we're just all in this weird and strange place in our life. And I just remember thinking to myself, what should I be doing with my time while life is the way that it is? And the Lord took me to the scripture in James chapter one. And as, as I've prepared to preach it, and we've been wrapping up the book of Jonah, it is so rich this scripture this morning as we ask the question what should I be doing or how do I wait in a holy and biblical sense how do I wait I want to answer that for you this morning but I I want to say to you as we look at the text this morning that when I when I when I mention or when we talk about what do I need to be doing I don't want you to feel stressed out I don't want you to feel like you got to get your to-do list out and make this another long list. And, and you know, I get sometimes when your to-do list gets long and, and, you've, and you might just get to the place where you're thinking, man, that pastor, he's just given me more things to do. That's not my heart at all this morning. In fact, the good news is that the checklist that I want to give you this morning, the three things that I would say to you we need to be doing right now, these aren't external things. These are things that we do on the inside. The first one is this. Count it all joy. You may be thinking to yourself, what do you mean count it all joy? Look with me, if you, if you would, again in James chapter 1. Look with me at the scripture and, and discover what James says about facing trials, about meeting trials head on, about not cowering away from trials, but what can trials do in our life and how do we meet them? Here's what James says in in verse 2. Count them joy. Count it as joy. Count it all joy, my church family, James says, whenever you meet various trials. And I want to linger there for a moment because that's the first thing that we need to be doing right now. If we're asking the question, how do I wait? What do I need to be doing? Answer number one, learn to count it all joy when we, as the people of God, as people who march under the banner of Jesus Christ, who have an allegiance and a citizenship in the kingdom of God, when we face trials in today's world, we can count it all joy. I want to answer two questions. The first one is why? The second one is what does that mean? So if we ask the question why, why is it that God's people, that Christians, should count it joy whenever we face various trials? The scripture is very clear. Not because we're sadistic. Not because we particularly like going through painful moments in life. But because in those moments, God does something in us. In fact, James is very clear. Consider it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet various trials, because that produces something in you. You see, the good news in the kingdom of God is that even the things in this world that can discourage, beat down, and damage, God can use them for good. And James says this in the scripture. Count it all joy. Almost as though he anticipates an objection, somebody saying, why in the world would I do that? 
almost as though he anticipates it, he answers the question. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And so what should we be doing with ourselves? Well, number one, count it all joy. Why? Why would we count this joy? Because what we're going through right now produces steadfastness in our Christian life. Now, I told you the second question that I want to ask and answer is, what does that mean? I think it's important for us this morning, both from a theological and a practical standpoint, to ask the question, what does a trial mean? What is it, when, when James uses the language, when you face various trials, what is he talking about? I think that that's important because the way that we answer that really does shape or frame the way that we look at the world. Let me give you a couple of examples. Let me give you a couple of, of answers to the question, what is a trial and what is James talking about? The first thing is that James is talking about external circumstances outside of us and beyond our abilities that come up on us that causes pain, discomfort, trouble, maybe even sorrow. And so when James is talking about counting joy when you face many trials, he's talking about specifically things that are done to us. But he could also be talking about things that are going on inside of us. You know, each one of us struggle with some type of difficulty, some type of temptation. And so while we can say, what is a trial? Well, it's something that's on the outside of us that's causing pain to us. It's also fair to say that the struggles that we face internally can be classified as trials as well. And so when James says, consider it joy when you face many trials, we're thinking about the things that are happening around us that are difficult. We're also thinking about the things that happen inside that we're struggling with and, and we're tempted with and we long to be faithful to Jesus and we're working through that and we're fighting through that. That's what James is talking about. What he's not talking about is consequences for sinful action or sinful behavior. I just want to be clear with you. Today you may be struggling through the consequences of a sinful pattern of life in your, in your life. That's not what James is talking about. You, you, you might be today living through the consequences of your choice and your decision to live in sin. That's not what James is talking about today. What James is talking about today are things that happen outside of us that we have no control over, but yet they happen to us. And he's also talking about the storms that may be brewing on the inside of us and we're struggling to remain faithful to Jesus. But just remember that when he says, count it all joy, Whenever you face trials, he's not saying to rejoice over the discipline of God because of sin. He's not saying to rejoice over the consequences of our sinful actions. I just want to be clear on what James is talking about and what he isn't talking about so that we really can 
practice what the scripture is commanding us to do, which is to count it joy whenever we face various trials. So when we ask the question, what should we be doing as we wait for the world to return to normal, whatever that may mean, as we wait for life to get back to what it is that we were used to, whatever that may mean, what should we be doing? Here's what we should be doing. According to James, we should be counting the trials that we face as joy because they are producing something in us that quite frankly we probably wouldn't get unless we face the trial. I want to be clear about something. It doesn't mean that we should want to exist and live in painful circumstances. And it doesn't mean that we should be praying for trials and temptations to come our way and we should be praying to live our life in context of just extreme discomfort. And and I'm not saying that we should get on our knees and say, oh God, would you just flood my life with trials? That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not going to pray that prayer with you. What I am saying is that when they come, you you can rejoice. You can count it joy Because even those hard moments can be used by the hands of God to do something great in us. What else should we be doing? What else should we be doing? Well, in addition to counting it joy, we should also be making sure that we are moldable by the work of God. Look with me, if you would, in James chapter 1. If you will go back to the scripture that we're looking at this morning. Uh, Look at verse 4. It says, And let steadfastness have its full effect, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Do you notice what the scripture says? It says to count it all joy and let the work of God happen in your life. Let the work of God happen in your life. Verse four says, and let steadfastness have its full effect. What good would it be if we're able to count it all joy, but we don't allow ourselves to be moldable and bendable and flexible and the ability to be shaped by God into what he wants for us. And let steadfastness have its full effect. I guess I could ask it this way. Are you fighting God? Are you wrestling with God right now? Are you squared off with God? Are you in a fist fight with God? Maybe there's some situations in your life that, that have been uncomfortable. And maybe as you have sought to walk with God on this path of life and you've diligently looked at his word and you've earnestly cried out to him, maybe there's some situations in your life that you struggle with counting it all joy. And because of that, you've begun to build this wall and you've begun to look at God as someone who's not welcome into your space into your heart, into your mind. And when James says, let steadfastness have its effect, you are thinking to yourself, I don't want the hand of God in my life. I gotta tell you something. It would be a shame 
to waste pain. When I was young and living at my parents' house, around March or April, a piece of mail came for my parents. And it was about the age in life where I figured out what junk mail was. And for some reason, I enjoyed throwing the mail in the trash that was junk. I I just thought it was my service to the household. Oh, junk mail, throw it in the trash, throw it in the trash. Well, around, no, it would have been May or June because it was after tax season. And I remember a piece of mail came from my parents from the IRS. And I remember thinking to myself, well, taxes have been done. This is, can't be anything important. And so I do the duties of my home and I take the piece of mail that the IRS had sent to my parents and I threw it in the trash. And I can't remember if this was May or if this was June, but I just remember the panic on my parents' face. <laughs> when they start looking for that piece of mail. And so they go to my brother. Andy, have you seen the letter from the IRS? No, I didn't see it, Isaac. You know, he always blamed everything on me, but actually this time it was my fault. And so they asked me, Zach, have you seen this piece of mail from the IRS? I said, yeah, I thought it was junk mail, so I threw it in the trash. You did what? You did what? That was our tax refund check, and oh, I just felt horrible. I had taken something valuable, and I'd thrown it in the trash, and I just remember, like, the sense in my body that, like, you know when, you're, when your heart just sinks into your, chest, in your stomach because you know you've made a mistake, and you don't want to own up to it, but your heart's beating fast, and your mind is running 100 miles an hour, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, I've really messed up. My heart just sunk. And I felt embarrassed, and I felt guilty, and I felt angry, and I didn't know what to do. And, and all I could do was just stand there. And then finally they said, find the, find the check. So <laughs> get into the trash. And here I am, some young kid rifling through the trash. I finally found the check from the IRS. I think it had old scrambled eggs on it or something. I can't remember what was on it, but it was disgusting. And I just remember thinking to myself, I don't ever want to have this feeling again that I took something valuable and I threw it in the trash and that alarm that came over me that I had just royally messed up. And I want to say something to you this morning. That if you are walking through this life, facing struggle, facing the trials that test our faith, but you're not open to being shaped and formed by God through this season of your life, you are throwing in the trash something very valuable. And I don't want you, I don't want to see that happen to you. I don't want you to feel that same experience that you get down the road by maybe five or ten years and your heart sink into your stomach 
and you feel embarrassed or you feel guilt or you feel angry that this thing that was of great value, you threw it in the trash like it was junk mail. May it never be said of you nor I that we waste the pain that we experience in this life. What should we be doing? We should be counting it all joy and we should be making sure that you and I are moldable by the hand of God. James says, and let this steadfastness have its full effect. It's almost as though he's saying, just welcome the work of God into your life. Welcome steadfastness that's produced by trials. Let it come into your life. Welcome it. Long for it. Be moldable by it. Are you fighting God? I want to speak a clear word into your life this morning. Be moldable by the difficult moments of your life. But be moldable in the biblical way. Because just like we can be molded by the hand of God through the difficulties of our life, it's also true that we can also be shaped to become bitter or to become rebellious or to become angry at God through the difficult seasons of our life. You have to choose wisely. My friend, my brother, my sister in the Lord, you must choose wisely because tough circumstances in life will do something to us. The question is what? And my prayer is that when we ask the question, what should we be doing right now while we're waiting for life to get back to normal, count it all joy, be moldable, Number three, be focused on spiritual progress. Do you notice how verse four ends? It ends in this glorious vision casting by James of what can be when we address and respond to the various trials in our life in a biblical, Christ-honoring, holy way. Look with me if you would. Let's just open back up to James chapter one and let's just look at what the scripture says and let steadfastness have its full effect. Why? So that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's what, that is what we need to be focused on, friend. That is what we need to look at and obsess on, and focus on, and reach out for, and take steps towards, is focusing on spiritual progress. I don't know about you, but I love that second part of verse 4, so that we can be perfect and complete, not lacking in anything. Yes, Lord, sign me up for that. So that we can be complete. Yes, Lord, sign me up for that. I want what the second half of verse 4 is talking about. Then I must be moldable by God. So how do we wait 
in these weird and strange moments of human existence that you and I happen to be living through called the coronavirus pandemic of 2020. Well, as people of the cross, as people under the lordship of Jesus, as people who are no stranger to trial, to difficulty, we're to count it all joy. And we're to be shaped by the hand of God through difficult circumstances. And we're to be focused on who it is that we will become. I made some notes this morning. I just want to share them right out of the Bible where I wrote them in. I wrote down that when we look at this, there's a temptation to become impatient. Because this scripture is talking about a process. And I don't know about you. I'm just going to speak for myself for a moment, okay? Sometimes I get impatient. Sometimes I want it immediately. I don't want to wait for it. I want it when I want it, and I want it now. And I don't want to wait for this long, drawn-out process of this trial to produce steadfastness and this steadfastness to produce wholeness and complete. No, God, just give it to me now. I don't want to wait for it. And, And as we look at the Scripture this morning, there is a lot of redemptive thinking about it but one thing that you and I might struggle with is it's the impatience of the process of God working in our life have you ever struggled with that before have you ever struggled with being impatient I have I do I still do and as we look at what the scripture is teaching us this morning one thing is clear isn't it doesn't happen overnight And there is a tendency towards impatience. And I just want to caution you against that. One of the notes that I wrote in my Bible is that if we're not careful, we'll become impatient with the pace in which God is working in our life. But I also wrote down the word excitement. Because isn't it exciting to think that though in this very moment that I or you or we may be in, though in this very season of life, it may be difficult and uncomfortable and painful, isn't it exciting to think about God may take that pain, God may take these tears, God may take this suffering, and shape us to come out on the other side of it stronger and more Christ-like than we ever would be if we had not faced the struggle in the first place. What an exciting thought. I encourage you with that thought this morning. I encourage you with the thought that God is not oblivious to the circumstances that you're in. God is not oblivious to the pain that's in your heart 
are in your mind. And I want to speak a word of reminder to you this morning that not only is God not oblivious to it, and not only does he care very deeply about it, but he is going to take it and produce something better than it into your life. And before we stop this morning, before we close, before we pray, I want to point out just a couple of very important thoughts before we close. Because we ask the question then, don't we? If we understand what we're supposed to be doing, then we ask the question, how? How is this even possible? How is it possible for me to count it joy when I face painful trials and difficult circumstances? How can I stay moldable and focused on spiritual progress? How can I do any of that? I want to answer that question before we close this morning in two ways. I want to ask you to go back to the scripture. And I want to ask you to look at verse 3. Would you just would you just look at verse 3 for me this morning? And I want you to see something. It says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. In your margin of your notes, would you just write that the prerequisite for this process is faith in Christ? Or maybe if you're a person who likes to, I love to write in my Bible, maybe you're a person who writes in your Bible, would you just star or circle or underline like four times that word faith? Because I gotta tell you, until you place your faith in Jesus Christ, this is just, this is just an intellectual uh, exercise for you. It is only when you've taken your faith in yourself or faith in whatever it is that you've placed your faith in in life and you place that faith in Jesus Christ that this can become possible for you. Because until that happens, you don't have a key component of what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about God redeeming pain and God redeeming suffering and the way that we wait in life and And that whole conversation demands faith in Christ Jesus. So how do we do it? The first thing that we have to do is we have to put our faith in Christ. Now, that may be foreign for you. That may be something that you've never considered, you've never thought about, you've never been prepared to do it, but I want to say this to you this morning. There's no growth to happen until you come under the lordship of Jesus Christ and you place your faith in him and you say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my savior and my Lord and I'm not gonna try to save myself and I'm not gonna try to make excuses for my sin and I need you for eternity and I need you for now. And so this morning I wanna place my faith in Jesus so that when I face trials of of various kinds, my faith can grow. Well, if your faith is going to grow, it has to exist. So this morning, I want to invite you to examine your life 
and make sure that you don't just intellectually believe in the existence of the historical figure that we know as Jesus, but that you've crossed the threshold from believing in Jesus to placing your faith in him and saying, you know what, Jesus? You are the only gate to heaven there is. You know what? Jesus is the only solution to my problem of sin that there is. And if you've never done that this morning, I invite you to do that. That is the starting point. It's where I started. It's where every person who is practicing James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 and 4, it's where we all started, putting our faith in Jesus and then having it grow by walking through various trials. The second key that's really important for this to work is also found here in the scripture. And I want to just call your attention to it and then we're going to pray together. But look at verse 3. It says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Do you know that? Do you know that when your faith is tested, God is at work in your life? Do you know that when you face trials, God's using that to build Christian character in you? You see, the reality is this. If you are not convinced that God is bigger than and able to shape you even in the flames of difficulty, if you don't know that, chances are you'll run from the pain. And you'll do anything that you can do to escape the pain. And I want to say to you this morning that you can either run from it or walk through it. It's certainly your choice. But there is a promise in the Word of God that even when we walk through trials and difficult moments of our life, God is at work in our life. Do you know that? James says, for you know that this produces a work in you. Do you know that this morning? That's important. It's important for you to feel confident that God is able to shape your heart even in pain and suffering. God is able to do a work in you even through your struggle. So we're going to close. We're going to pray. We're going to conclude the service. And I'm just going to ask you right in your living room or right at your dining room table, wherever it is that you've been worshiping with us, that you bow for a second. I want to ask you two questions before we pray. And I know that bowing your head and closing your eyes isn't necessarily a spiritual thing, but there is something about being able to focus and removing distractions by closing your eyes and just focusing in on what's being said in this moment. 
And bowing your head really is an act of humility. It's an act of submission that we do to demonstrate to God that we yield to him. So would you bow? Would you close your eyes and would you focus for a moment and just allow me to ask you two questions before we close. Question number one. Do you really have faith in Jesus? I want so desperately for the trials that you're facing today to shape you into a godly character tomorrow. But you have, you have to have placed your faith in Jesus. Can you say that you have? Question number two. If you haven't, what is keeping you today? You know, there's nothing magical about being in this church building. These altars aren't magical. Right where you're at, in your car, on your sofa, at your table, right where you're at, at this very moment, you can surrender your life to Jesus. You can place your faith in him. If you want to do that this morning, it's eternally important, but it's not complex. It's you being at the place where you're ready to make a commitment to Jesus. Now, for those of you who have done that, clearly the question for you this morning is, how am I doing with counting it all joy and being moldable towards God and being focused on spiritual progress. Maybe God needs to have a word with you this morning because of what we looked at. I would encourage you in the same way that I just encouraged the others. Don't run from God. Embrace what he says to us through his word. Lord, as we close our time this morning, you have spoken a very enriching an encouraging word to us through James. We thank you that although we may not be excited about difficult moments in life or difficult seasons, we can count it a joy when we face them because you continue to work in our life through them. I pray for those this morning that need to give their life to Christ. Lord, I pray that you remove distractions, you remove obstacles, you give incredible clarity as to how important that decision is. But I also pray for my brothers and sisters who through this pandemic maybe have become fearful, maybe have become overwhelmed, and they are at this very moment failing to count it joy and to be moldable and to be focused on spiritual progress. I pray that your spirit would draw them back, that your mercy would lure them back into that place that James talks about. Thank you for your word, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen.